This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland. The following presentation of the Midland City Planning Commission will begin in a moment. The Midland City Planning Commission is responsible for overseeing the City's master plan, conducting public hearings, and offering recommendations to the City Council on a wide range of local land use issues. The Planning Commission consists of nine Midland residents who are appointed by the City Council. Planning Commission meets two Tuesdays per month at 7 p.m. in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T UVerse, or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to the regular meeting of the Midland City Planning Commission for Tuesday, May 14th. This meeting is called to order. Please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Marshall, will you call roll, please? Yes. Coble. Here. Rogers. Here. McLaughlin. Here. Mayville. Here. Collinger. Here. Bain. Here. And Hine. Here. We have a quorum. Okay. First item on our agenda is the uh, approval of the minutes from our last meeting, April on April 23rd. Any additions, corrections, comments before we uh, move to approve it? Seeing none, do I have a motion? I move that we approve the minutes from April 23rd, 2019. A second? S second. It's been moved and second. We accept the minutes. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. The minutes are approved. This evening we'll have a uh, public hearing. And before we get into it, I'm going to just quickly once again review our hearing process. We will start out by having a staff presentation and, and an overview of the petition. We will then open the public meeting and the petitioner is welcome to come forward and answer any questions or give, make additional comments as needed. We will then ask the public for comments and support, comments in opposition, and should it be necessary, the petitioner can come back and rebut. At that point, I'll close the uh, public hearing and we'll go into deliberation. With that, our first, <laughs> our first item, our first and only I should say, is a conditional use permit number 64, initiated by 1016 Recovery Network. Ms. Wilson. Thanks. Good evening, Commissioners. As you said, this is conditional use permit number 64 for 1016 Recovery Network. 
The location of these two properties are at 118 and 120 East Haley Street in the RB Multiple Family Residential Zoning District. The proposal for, the, for tonight's consideration is an eight-bed women's recovery home, which is classified in our zoning ordinance as transitional housing, and that is what is requiring us to go through the conditional use permit process. Just to orient you a little bit, just at the um, south end of Cleveland Avenue um, would be these two parcels along East Haley Street. They are um, two parcels, but a very large for a city lot. And so I'll point that out as we zoom in a little bit on that second aerial. So as you can see, there is um, the, there's my mouse, the um, home here, the driveway in from East Haley. This is a garage and a parking pad, which we'll talk about a little bit more as we get into um, parking questions. In um, reviewing zoning, obviously we talked a little bit already, RB multiple family residential, um, bounded on all sides by that multiple family residential district with a small area of neighborhood commercial, a little bit of office service, and then of course the community district with the, um, the Greater Midland Community Center there and the Curling Center. In terms of future land use, high density residential, um, falling similarly in line to that multiple family residential in terms of density, um, a commercial node there at Jefferson and Haley, and then obviously their recreation um, across the way there with the Curling Center. To go into the site plan, um, I pointed out just before this um, parking pad located here, you see that reflected in the site plan, the home itself, and then the garage that has two vehicle, uh, storage for two vehicles there as well. And I did throw this in there as we do talk about site characteristics and landscaping a little bit forward. Um, you do see that this is a heavily um, wooded lot for a city lot. Um, so just wanted to give you that orientation as I go through our standards. Um, so, um, a couple of things that make this site unique for this particular use um, is the combination of the two city parcels and the wooded lot that provides kind of an additional um, set of criteria that help us to make this use make sense in, a, in, this, um, in this neighborhood. So obviously the extra parking and um, the closeness of the parcels in the circle area. Um, this is obviously a little bit off of there, but with the new facility that will be constructed shortly or is under construction um, for the 1016 facility on the circle, this is a closer distance for um, folks to make their way back and forth between appointments. Um, there is a single driveway extending from Haley Street back into the parcel. We do feel that this um, allows for adequate fire coverage or emergency vehicle coverage. Um, as we discussed landscaping, obviously we did talk about the mature trees, but there is additional residential um, style landscaping along the front porch. And then another um, item of note is along the western um, property line, which would be on this side, there is a six foot privacy fence that exists today on that parcel. Isn't that the southern? So actually, this is north. I think on the east and front, there's like a three foot fence and then on the back, which I think is the south end, is more of a six foot fence. If my memory serves, and um, there is a fence along here as well. And, um, 
so we can. Yeah, that's a solid privacy fence along there. Yep. Okay. The on the yes. west, and then there's something on the back though, right? That separates. Chain link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, chain link. Along and, the back. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, moving back to that. Um, talked about the sidewalk connection in terms of the parking pad. It is nine foot by twenty foot foot. 25 feet so it allows for two vehicles to be stored there um, and then the garage structure does provide additional parking um, there are not any drainage concerns with this particular request um, the use really isn't changing all of that much it will continue to be residential and with this particular property um, it is a large home and as the needs of our families are changing a little bit, this um, larger home on the larger city lot does provide kind of a unique situation for um, a multiple family residential unit or units. Mm -hmm. um, there are no modifications to lighting as a part of this project. Um, we've not identified any additional need for screening or any other privacy concerns as a part of this request. There are no signage um, proposed as a part of this request either. So. What exists today is what you will see even after the transition and use takes place. We also talk about with conditional land use discretionary standards for approval, so I'll roll through just a couple of those. Um, staff did not identify any additional needs related to the public health, safety, or general welfare of um, the surrounding neighborhood. Um, in terms of compatibility, again, I don't, um, we won't see any change um, in terms of folks in and out and residential use next to a residential use. Um, staff did not identify any additional impact to traffic. While there is, um, there will be multiple families living or multiple um, folks living in this um, residential unit, uh, several of the clients that are served by 1016 may not have access to a vehicle of their own. So the parking needs are reduced slightly um, given the transitional use. Um, we believe that um, public services are perfectly adequate for this location as evidenced by the fact that it has served as a residential use for you know, the years leading up. Um, there are no proposed exterior changes to the site characteristics at this time in terms of the natural environment, all of those awesome mature trees are remaining there and um, the use as a residential transitional housing is consistent with the high density residential that we would see. With that, we do not recommend any contingencies for this request. We did receive one written comment in support, just a, a very quick, um, and you saw that in your packet. and. Um, with that, to speak a little bit to schedule. Tonight is May 14th, and so you have obviously your public hearing tonight. We do have the opportunity to um, waive the rules of procedure and consider the decision this evening, and that would go on to City Council at their May 20 meeting, and then uh, to set the public hearing and then hold the public hearing, and I see zero public comments up there, there have been one, um, would be June 24th, would be the public hearing. And with that, I'll answer any questions. That's James. Uh, a couple. The first one is, is this technically one unit or eight units or do you see what my, quest, uh, my question do. is? So um, I guess that's a great question. In terms of dwelling units, I would have to defer to the applicant as to whether it will be a single like, bedroom or yeah, okay. you know, how we, they would we can consider that. Yeah, okay. We can come back to that. 
It but is. we don't have regulations on if we go down to one unit, that the, the amount of unrelated people that can live in a unit or considerations like that? I do not believe so. Um, okay. We do have uh, provisions for just a regular uh, rental home, but in the case of transitional housing, it is allowed for okay. un unrelated persons to live um, in one individual unit. Then a more substantive question is, uh, when you look at the criteria in Section 9, uh, specifically there's a criteria, you know, 9.5 that covers transitional housing, and it says they can't be within 1,000 feet of a school or well, the one that might be appropriate is daycare because MCC offers daycare services. Mm -hmm. so, and, yeah. uh, you know, and then, you know, how do you measure the feet? Because, you know, sometimes they use the playgrounds and in the summer they got summer camps that use a curling center. Correct. So the, those spacing provisions actually only apply to non-residential uses. So if you look within um, that section, the um, non the residential uses are exempted from um, the okay. distance um, requirements, and so in this case, being a residential transitional housing, it would not have to comply with the spacing standard. Okay, so it's not like a transition is considered. Uh, it it is can still considered a residential use. Mm -hmm. So the thousand foot spacing requirement doesn't apply. That's correct, because I think it, the, those provisions also apply to things like day sh um, soup kitchens and day shelters, okay. and those would not be residential uses and therefore would have to comply with that thousand foot rule. Okay, now when we looked at uh, the shelter house then, that would be a, was that that's considered a residential, at least the parts of it were? It, it has a residential component, but the fact that they do other parts of okay, that's their programming within there would be non-residential, so it'd be kind of a, a okay. hybrid of the two. Okay. We did, in fact, measure during the shelter house uh, review. Yeah. We did measure from the adjacent. Yes. Yeah, um, public notification of this was a notification given out to immediate neighbors and those close by. It was, and yes, within no three there were no comments back. We received just one in support. No objection to granting this request. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Two parking spaces are required per the zoning ordinance, is that correct? Or? Yes, and there are six. Any other questions? Okay, all right. We will open the public hearing and we'll ask the uh, petitioner to step forward, stand on the blue mat, and name an address, please. <clears throat> my name is Sam Price. I'm the president and CEO for the 1016 Recovery Network. My home address is 1907 Dillaway Drive here in Midland, and our business office is 133 North Saginaw uh, here in Midland as well. Okay. So um, just to give you some general terms of understanding what recovery housing is and what it's not, is uh, recovery housing is a home. It is a home for people who are in the early phase of their recovery journey from uh, a struggle with an alcohol or uh, drug disorder, and they are working uh, towards rebuilding their life. It is not a flop house, it is a home. It is a program, not just a building. So it is focused on creating the structure and support and safety that folks may need in order to move their um, personal journey forward because where they may have returned um, was not a safe place for them, uh, either physically or emotionally or in terms of being able to move forward uh, in their recovery process. 
This will um, be uh, really a relocation of our existing women's uh, recovery housing program that currently have, uh, uh, operates out on M20 uh, at a, the farmhouse out on that property. So we would be bringing it into town because one of the things that we have, have found in the five years that we have operated there is that the, the ladies that stay there are really at a significant disadvantage because many of them don't have personal transportation. So trying to get in town mm -hmm. for their employment, for their meetings, for their appointments, really it does create a, a significant hardship for many of them. So being in town and particularly uh, close to our recovery center, close to the community center, close to DHHS, and a lot of employment opportunities will um, really go a long way to helping them kind of move forward uh, in their journey in this particular process. Some other kind of finer details that often get asked in terms of a women's recovery house and some of those kinds of things. Children will not be living there, so it is uh, just for single women. It is in single bedrooms. It's not uh, studio apartments or anything along that line. So it is very much communal living. It is really about having uh, a family uh, of support to be able to both ha have accountability and support as, as we all kind of try and move forward in these um, particular manners and ways. So we've been operating this program here for at least five years. In uh, 2018, we served uh, 25 women. The average length of stay is 127 days. Um, the, the state through a person's Medicaid or Healthy Michigan or other insurance uh, options can stay for their stay at the facility for up to six months. And then if they choose to continue to stay, and that's one of the other ways that our, our recovery house is different than most, is that if they want to stay longer, they are welcome to do that. Uh, they would then just have to pay out of pocket for their own uh, weekly program fee. But if, if it's working for them, it, it works for us too because they continue to give back to one another in that kind of a, a, a community type of an atmosphere. So we, we don't want to lift, lose that, that gift of, of established recovery for those that want to continue to give back, and it works that way for them. Um, but as you see, most of them transition on into, uh, you know, regular traditional uh, independent living on their own uh, once they've gotten their feet and they, they know how they can uh, move forward in that kind of way. Uh, we do have on-site staffing that is involved with this. Uh, they, uh, we have a recovery housing staff that would meet with each of the ladies uh, individually as well as uh, the, the um, full community meets on a regular basis to discuss how things are going, how people are kind of moving forward. And then when staff are not on site, we have what's called a house lead. So it's one of the um, members that are living there and it's kind of their responsibility to take leadership in, in terms of enforcing some of the house rules. Like any good, you know, strong family, you have house rules in terms of how we, how we live and treat one another and, and what our chores and responsibilities are. This home is no different than any other. That's why there's no sign in front of it because this is their home. Uh, and, and this is where they're just moving this particular uh, part of their life uh, forward in that particular fashion. We are uh, accredited by the Michigan uh, Association of Recovery Residences, so we are uh, required to maintain that accreditation. We have to have that to maintain our state funding. Mm -hmm. And secondly, in, in order to maintain that accreditation, that means that we have to be meeting certain health and safety and program standards. So there is additional oversight and accountability um, that we have. That's another way that uh, this kind of recovery house is different than an independent halfway house 
where um, there isn't that same kind of oversight. And anyone that is staying with us in the recovery house has to be involved in our recovery center program. So they're actively engaged in treatment and peer support services and connected to the recovery community. So we know these ladies well, uh, and they know us well. And that is one of the reasons that the program is as successful as it is. Um, so those are kind of the, the highlights of uh, our talking points, uh, but I'd be glad to answer any other questions you might have about our program. Yeah, um, with the move, uh, increase or reduction of capacity for you? It has a potential, right now we're at seven beds um, out on M20, so we could take it up to eight. We'll start with seven and just see how that continues to go, but we wanted to have some latitude because there is often demand for uh, this service. Uh, having a, a safe place to stay uh, is an important piece for a lot of ladies in re early recovery, so we mm -hmm. want to keep that option open. That's why we um, requested eight, but we're going to start with seven. Okay. James? Yeah, I've got a couple. You, you covered a lot of them, though. Uh, but uh, is this like the second stage? Uh, do they go into a, a more controlled clinical <clears throat> environment first and then come to you? Or is this the first place they uh, take up residence? Or how does that work? It, it can come from a variety of different ways. Okay. Many of them uh, may have been uh, at our detox and or residential program and then transition from okay. that uh, facility and step down into this as a continuing part of their journey. Some, it's... Uh, come where they have been involved in our recovery center and something is is kind of showing light that, that where mm -hmm. they're staying right now is not good and that the, the recovery house would be a better option for them. So this typically isn't the first place where, you know, somebody from a drug court or somebody like that goes then? Not typically, but sometimes. Okay. Uh, now, do you have a property on like Carpenter or Maine, or yes. was that an, is, is that a similar facility, or is that an administrative place? Uh, the, that's the 1016 home. That's our original place that was started by uh, the local churches 30 almost 40 years ago. So okay. that is our men's recovery house. Okay. And that's the 1016 home. So and is that a, in a similar neighborhood situation mm -hmm. then that mm -hmm. could maybe give us uh, people who are not familiar with this. More yeah, it's on the corner of Eastman and Carpenter. We've right. been a thousand feet away from Carpenter Elementary School when it was a functional school and okay. operated that way for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And that's also a largely a residential neighborhood too, mm -hmm. correct? Right. Okay, that, uh, now do you have uh, uh, like Narcan or any recovery drugs or things like that on site or would that be? That is a, an expectation with um, the um, rules for our accreditation with MAR okay. is to have on-site first aid kits, including on naloxone, in case there is an overdose. Okay, so you have the overdose stuff. Do you also have the other, uh, you know, uh, recovery things? Was it like the, uh, what they use for withdrawal symptoms, um, methadone, or the, do you keep those kind of things on site? No, we do not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yours is mainly the safety. Right. Uh, yeah, we do not allow any controlled substances on the property. So um, okay. if somebody had uh, that kind of uh, prescription as a part of their yeah. uh, pathway, then we would help them find a home that does accept somebody on that. But we, um, we don't have controlled substances of any kind. Okay. Do you have uh, recidivism rates while they're in transition compared to other facilities? Or, um, our uh, transition rate in terms of, of people successfully leaving the pro uh, program yeah. uh, in good standing has run on average for the last uh, two years around 68 to 70 percent. Uh, okay. Nationally it runs at about 50 percent. 
Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Very good. Just a couple of quick yeah. questions. Uh, what's located in the house right now? Um, it is a single family home. Okay. There are two ladies that Nobody, live there. Oh, there's some people that live there now. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you said no controlled substances, so you don't allow Suboxone? Correct. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Other questions? Yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, I also have a few. How many individuals on average are you having to turn away currently, if any? I just shouldn't check with the people. Yeah. Do you have any on, set or on a waiting list? I do have one on the waiting list that I talked to today. Um, it ebbs and flows Actually, yeah, really. In order to be on TV sorry, and, sorry. and catch you with oh. the microphones, we'll have to have you come up and sure. step up. Or sure. I can bring, uh, this is Terry Smith. She's our recovery housing coordinator and manages our programs okay. for us. Um, so currently, we have more of a demand for our men's housing, but right now we do have one on the waiting list for women's housing. There's a lot of ebbs and flows with that, so um, there's really not much predictability to it. We have had to turn people away numerous times. Um, which is sometimes dangerous as well because if they don't have a safe place to go, it kind of right. perpetuates that cycle of addiction. So, thank you. Uh, and then yep. follow-up question: Are these individuals uh, coming from and/or staying in the Midland community? Yes, most of these, most of the folks that we are serving are Midland County residents. Okay, so mostly helping mm -hmm. Midland County press. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. and then they stay in there, right. economically mm -hmm. productive in Midland County. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. One question. Is the home staffed, resourced, uh, 24 hours? No. That's the difference between a, a recovery home and a residential treatment facility. A residential treatment facility has staffing on-site 24-7. A recovery house has uh, intermittent staff visits on-site. That's why we have that house lead responsibility okay. uh, among one of the uh, people that stay there. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Additional questions? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. And now if there's anyone in the public who wishes to uh, make comments and support, please step forward. Okay, we'll ask you to step on the blue mat. Name and address, please. My name is Amanda Ifrady and I live at 1205 Isabella Road. Okay. So I currently live at the Women's Sober House on M20, and it's something that I've never thought, it's, it's something that I never, I always made excuses for, um, but I chose to come to the Sober House in December of, this, this past December, and it has been a life-changing experience. Um, the people that are in the recovery home, we're all working towards bettering ourselves. Um, we work, we work a program. We we have to go to um, certain obligations at outpatient. We meet with um, Tara, the coordinator for the housing, weekly. Um, I'm actually the house lead for the house right now, so. We have certain requirements though, um, you know, there's drug testing and there's a certain amount of meetings we have to go to, we have to make it to our outpatient obligations. If there's any slight hint or, um, you know, a negative, a positive test, 
um, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be, we wouldn't be qualified to live there anymore. So, um, we are people that are really trying to better ourselves. It, it, there's so many positives about the situation. Um, the community centers right there, they have meetings daily. I am actually somebody that doesn't have transportation right now. So I use the bus all the time and it's working, but it's just going to be so much better to go to the community center to go to a meeting or you know I work right down the road DHS is right there there's a grocery store right there that I mean not really Kmart but Mm -hmm. you know there's where we can access things and it's just giving us such a better chance at succeeding and you know I don't know, like we can even be a good example for people in this, like people around us in the neighborhood because a lot of people struggle with addiction and Midland is becoming way, like Midland is known for being, um, recovery is becoming more rampant in Midland. Like it's being, um, acknowledged and supported and I would like to be a part of that as well as the other ladies in the house and to be able to help future ladies come in the house to be productive members of Midland the city I've always lived here and um, I'm just super excited I hope it all works out um, I don't know I guess that's really all Mm-hmm. All I have to say. <laughs> Do I go sit down now? You can. Thank you. Thank you very much for your courage and, and thank you for your your position. Any other comments in support of this petition? Um, Matthew Porter, 1016 Eastman Avenue. I am uh, one of the leads at the Men's Sober House. I'm not from Midland. Um, I came here from just north of the Grand Rapids area when I decided to go to rehab eight months ago now. Um, and what was so, I mean, what was inviting to me about it and why I wanted to go to the sober house is because it stopped me from going back to my small town where I'd be more likely to drink again once I got back into that area, you know, back around friends and stuff like that. So it really gave me a chance to just get <clears throat> away from that and live in a sober community where sobriety's, you know, pushed upon. So, I mean, you know, that was a big thing for me is being able to live in a sober environment where it, where the, um, the attraction to go back to drinking and stuff like that wasn't as big of a deal. Um, but as far as like getting the woman's house here, I mean, for me to get around town, it's quite easy. You know, I can go to my job, I can go to the grocery store, you know, I don't have to use a cab, I don't have to use a bus. And it just makes everything a lot easier and a lot easier for these women to, you know, go on with their lives and, you know, just get them back out in the community and back on with their lives at a much easier pace. And that's why I'm here in support of it. So thank you. Thank you. Other comments and support? I am Lee Sung from 1205 East Isabella. Um, just briefly a little bit on me. Um, I've battled addiction uh, most of my life. And um, I finally, at the age of, end of 47 years old, I took a stand to really try to better myself. And finally I got into a detox again and then a rehab center of 90 days. The best blessing I've ever had and I have 16 months 
clean today is going into the sober living house. The sober living house has taught me to grow, has taught me to, uh, to live on life's terms. Tara is just amazing. Uh, she's our recovery court, our coach and coordinator. Um, when I first got there, my mind was in such other different ways of thinking and not being able to really cope in society. And what the Sober Living House has taught me is to cope and to live and that we can be productive members of society. Uh, we do have rules there, like they said. We have to comply to them. If we don't, it's zero tolerance. It's zero tolerance for any alcohol or drugs to be allowed in that home. If it is, we are no longer allowed to live there. And we have to comply to everything to stay there, from therapy to group. Um, not only do I attend meetings as well as the other women and men in our sober living houses, we also have to go to group and therapy. We get to learn and know each ourselves. You know what I mean? It's not just putting the drink and the drug down. It's getting to know what's really about us, how we can cope in life. You know, um, I just wanted to say that to let you know that finally I've gotten 16 months clean and I would not been able to do it if I didn't have the source of coming here to Midland because I myself am not from Midland. I had to start in a new town and a new place to get going again and I would not been able to do it if I didn't have the opportunity. I've been at the sober living house over a year now and I plan on and I'm I'm building up. I didn't have a job. I didn't have have anything. I started from not having nothing to getting a job and, and paying bills and paying my rent on time. I haven't been laid on a rent payment yet. And they taught me that and that's amazing. So that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Very good, very good. Any other comments and support? Comments and opposition? On the blue map, if you would, please. Name and address. Hey, my name is Melanie Hoffmeyer. I live at 115 East Haley Street, Midland, Michigan. Um, I don't think I have so much opposition as I do concerns. Um, I recognize some of these ladies. I volunteer at my church with Restoration Fellowship, um, which um, also helps in the um, uh, recovery community. Um, some of my concerns, I have to disagree with you. I think a lot of the women that are successful in this program are not from Midland. They're from outside of the area, which it doesn't matter to me where they're coming from. If we're helping people, we're helping people. That's always a good thing. Um, hopefully, if they stay here, they stay away from the bad influences and they become good members of society. So that's, that's always a positive thing. For my neighborhood, since this proposed site is directly across the street from me, I do have some concerns. Um, one is, as every one of the people who was a pro to this program uh, says there's zero tolerance they lose their right to stay there if they test 
positive for alcohol or drugs. If they're evicted, where do they go? Do I have them carport surfing? Um, if they aren't from this neighborhood, it's unlikely they have friends and family in the area. Who do they stay with? Um, mm -hmm. Are they on the streets? Another concern that I have is we have a liquor store three houses down from this house. That's a concern. This proprietor cannot tell them no if they're 18 year, or I'm sorry, 21 years or older. They can't tell them no that they can't sell them alcohol. Um, I think it's an opportunity to set them up for failure. We also have Cleveland Manor, which is just straight down the street from them. It's a um, retirement community. There are all kinds of drugs just because of the age and complexity of health issues that some, most of the residents there have. I think that's a concern. Not so much for the people that are in recovery. They want to be there. They want to make a difference in their lives. But what about the people that might be following them, that they're trying to get away from? That's a concern for our neighborhood. Um, there's at least one licensed daycare provider, two houses down. There's at least two people that I know of, one right next door and another one very close proximity that has green cards, uh, marijuana use. Um, they don't smoke in their homes, so they're going to be in their yards. Is that going to be an issue that might um, make it difficult for their success? I mean, it's not just about my neighborhood, mm -hmm. but also about them succeeding. Um, those are some of the concerns that I have personally. I've looked into it, did not write a letter to the council because I've been trying to research. I don't think it negatively has a high crime impact on the neighborhood inherently, um, but I think there's some things that aren't being addressed. And I think as community neighbors, we need to either welcome them in with open arms in order to help their recovery. If we're against it completely, um, we need to be educated on, on what the whole process is in order to help them succeed. If we meet them with pitchforks and you know, sickles, they aren't going to feel any more wanted here than they were where they were coming from. So I think either we need a good community education program and know, you know what happens if they don't succeed, where do they end up? And so we feel safe and secure in our own homes. So mm -hmm. thank you for your time. Thank you. Any other comments on opposition? My name is Sarah Martin. I live at 2006 Cleveland Avenue here in Midland. Um, that's directly across the street from the proposed 1016 house. Um, I don't want to seem insensitive, and I think this day and age, most families are affected by rehab and recovery, and I understand the need for it. Um, my concern is um, my husband and I, we raised four small children right across the street, and so my concern is for the safety. Um, 
I guess I don't know a lot about it. Um, I'm kind of naive. I don't know what detox looks like and what my kids may see if they're playing in the yard, which they do every day. And I also would like to know um, how they will keep their, um, their the people that live in there safe from, I mean, we have neighborhood block parties. I know of the rental house next door, they have huge parties in their yard. Um, ourselves included, there's, there's quite a bit, you know, we drink, we party out in our yards, we, we hang out together. And um, I'm wondering how that will appear to the people there and how that they will, you know, how we can keep them from that. I, I understand that they're in recovery, so that would be kind of um, a hard thing. So um, my number one concern though is uh, the safety with my children living right there. Thank you. Any other comments in opposition? I live at 2013 Cleveland Avenue. Your name is? Uh, Charlene Lehman, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and I guess after being here, I've learned quite a bit about the 1016. I feel it's a great program. It sounds like a great program. But as um, Melanie said, stated, uh, the liquor store, the elderly uh, in the neighborhood, I, I'm concerned for their well-being at the 1016, um, being able to recover and stay recovered instead of having um, a place that is easily getting, you know, they can get liquor or drugs if they want to from an elderly person. Um, I guess the safety of the elderly is another concern. Um, but other than that, I, you know, had a, a lot of the same concerns that Melanie did. Okay, thank you. Other comments in opposition? Christine McClymont and I live at 2012 Cleveland Avenue so just one house down the road from the proposed place and really all I have to say is I want to reiterate what my neighbors have said and that is the, the concern for the safety of the children in the neighborhood and the elderly of which I am one um, I don't live at Cleveland Manor but I certainly could <laughs> any day now, but uh, but yeah, I, what I was wondering is how they are going to sort of, I know there's a lead in the house, but how do they, how are they going to make sure there are no uh, substances, controlled substances in, in the house? I mean, are they going to do a, you know, uh, like, like they do in prisons, are they going to go through and do bed checks and room checks or is it going to be on their honor? Mm -hmm. Good question, huh? Mm -hmm. it, yep, and we, um, any of the comments that we hear during the public comment portion we do write down and then ultimately we'll have a chance okay. for the applicant to okay. be able to answer and then staff commentary yeah. as well. And I too, I, I, I realize that there's a, a need for um, this type of thing in communities, and it just happens to be my neighborhood that this one is. And it, as odd as it sounds, when I first moved to Michigan in 1986, I was 
<laughs> renting the 1015 house <laughs> right across the street from the 1016 house. So we saw a lot of stuff going on over there. At the time, I was, of course, a lot younger and had a teenage daughter and a million of her friends. And, you know, they'd be, they'd be outside partying and carrying on like kids do. And the guys over there were pretty interested in what was going on in my house. That's all I have to say, just to reiterate what my, what my neighbors have said. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments at opposition? Okay. I'm Margaret Phipps. I'm Margaret Phipps, and I live at 2011 Cleveland Avenue. And my concern was to the level of detox. I've seen people detox. I lived with an alcoholic. The level of the detox that they go into this house, because sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. They are, they're out of control. Do they go into this house? You know, the, the level of the detox. And, and kids, when kids, they're, they're going to see and learn a little bit more about the alcohol. But anyway, I'm concerned as my neighbors are for children and what mm -hmm. they see. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments in opposition? Okay. If I may ask the petitioner to step forward and you've heard a number of a number of concerns, issues. Please address those that you feel you may sure. you can. Well, nobody wants this in their backyard. Mm -hmm. and we see that quite frequently with the folks that we work with. Um, that's the unfortunate reality and the stigma that honestly often keeps a lot of people um, still trapped in addiction because they aren't embraced and welcomed and understood. Um, from a uh, what happens if somebody relapses perspective, uh, yes, there is zero tolerance. We don't kick them out on the street right then and right there. They have to be out of the facility within the next 24 hours, but we want to make sure that they have an opportunity to find a safe place to go and have appropriate transportation to that location. So mm -hmm. it's not a 2 a.m. out on the curb and you figure it out and wander along because we still have their safety in mind, but we also have to protect the safety of the other people that are staying there. But it isn't done in a cold-hearted fashion that puts them at risk or anyone else at risk uh, because of that particular relapse uh, event that kind of came up. In terms of the liquor store being up the corner, we got a liquor store up the corner right now. Westtown Grocery is less than a quarter of a mile from our existing women's recovery house. That has not been a problem. That has not led to any kind of relapse or dalliance or anything along that line. In terms of the partying that's in the neighborhood along that same perspective, every neighborhood has parties. Part of learning how to live in recovery is the fact, particularly when you throw in Proposition 1 being approved and mm -hmm. recreational marijuana being around, that's part of my responsibility now in terms of living life on life's terms is knowing how I navigate those things. So that's 
part of what I'm learning while I'm staying at a recovery house and while I'm engaged in a treatment and while I'm walking along with others who are trying to figure this out together and learning from others who have gone before of how do I live in neighborhoods and homes where there may be alcohol or other drugs uh, surrounding that particular space. That's part of what I have to deal with every day. I can't turn on the TV mm -hmm. without seeing it. So it being around me uh, is something that, that's one of my recovery skills that I have to develop as a part of this particular process. In terms of the safety of the neighborhood and the children and the elderly, um, these are not people who are in active addiction. And these are not people who are uh, pedophiles or things along that line. These are people who are in recovery, who are rebuilding their lives and are making wise choices. That's why they're in this recovery house in the first place is they are committed to doing things differently. So um, that's how I would address that particular one. This is not a detox facility. So there won't be detoxing going on when it's operating as a recovery house. Permit-wise, we could open a detox tomorrow in that facility without this process. But that's not what we're shooting for long-term. So the detox issue is not, the, the folks that are living here are stable, they're healthy, and they're actively working on their recovery. Those parts of, of, of the recovery journey are long gone. Uh, for that particular thing. From a, uh, a drugs in the house kind of perspective, yes, there are drug tests. There are times when we may do room searches if there are reasons for suspicion or things along that line because we need to make sure, and, and there is that kind of accountability among the ladies that live there too because this is my home for them and I need to stay safe and what I'm trying to build is important to me. And so, I'm not gonna let somebody else jeopardize what I've got going on, plus I care about that person. So mm -hmm. if I have any hint or suspicion, that's what this community does, is helps hold one another up and, and hold that kind of accountability. But that's why we also have staff that are there that are involved too, to have mm -hmm. that extra layer of, of protection and accountability that speaks into this as well. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Any questions? Yes, James. Yeah, I have uh, uh, one or two. Just uh, uh, what percent of the, what they're rehabbing from are hard drugs versus alcohol? Do you want to offhand? I want to say it's about half right now. 50-50 uh, between opiates okay. and alcohol. You have an additional question? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, okay, you're done? Okay, all right. Okay, anybody else? Okay, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. With that, I'll close the public, public portion of this meeting and we'll go into deliberation. Comments, questions? I think first of all, do you feel you have sufficient information to deal with it this evening? And if so, I'd 
like a motion. I move that we waive the rules and consider this with a vote tonight. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed by the same sign. Okay. Comments? Well, it's needed. I mean, you know, I live in the neighborhood, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and had concerns. I walked by that place probably 10 times a week. You know, uh, the criteria that I understand we're supposed to evaluate this on, I think, have been largely met. As a resident of that area, my main concern is more strategic one we can't deal with tonight. It's uh, that place and that whole neighborhood is zoned RB when really it's used as more maybe RA4. You know, it's single family develop, it's single family homes by and large with the ex exception of the apartment complex I live in. But I could argue that's naturally bounded by a few streets. So somewhere along the line, I think we should look at uh, really what the master plan and zoning is because the use of that community for the 30 some years I've lived around there, uh, with the exception of three uh, condos or apartments, you know, Cleveland Manor, Wingate, and Cherry View, that neighborhood's largely, uh, you know, whether it's Bradley or Aubrey Place, or mm -hmm. the, the the tree names, you know, it it's it it's not it's not RB, it's some form of high density RA. But like I say, that should you know that uh, we could consider that maybe in terms of compatibility with the existing use as opposed to zoning, but. Uh, given that we've got some precedent with that, with the 1016 on Carpenter or wherever. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to go too far into those weeds tonight, other than just keep that mm -hmm. in mind for later. Uh, the, the formal concerns that I had have been <clears throat> largely raised. You know, the, it turns out the uh, distance to the community center, even if it's a thousand feet or not, it's still more to a plus than a minus, from what I understand. Uh, given that there should be a place for this kind of facility in town, its proximity to uh, a number of the services in the area, uh, uh, you know, the ones uh, in that Washington area, what is it, the, the government facilities they provide there, Mm -hmm. within walking distance is a big plus. Uh, uh, even for the neighborhood's concerns, the closeness to the law enforcement facilities, uh, you know, could cut as a big concern. And why none of us are comfortable with this problem, uh, you got to look at what the solution is. Uh, looks like they're more successful than others. It looks like uh, a, uh, nobody necessarily wants to deal with the uh, uncertainty and potential risks of this being 
in their neighborhood, but it's got to go somewhere, right? Or if it doesn't, you know, you got to weigh that too. But uh, I look at the criteria and what we're required to look at, and uh, based on that, I'm coming down in favor of it, which is not necessarily what I came in thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to improve on that. I mean, it, you always bring us back to the criteria, and I think that tends to take the, you know, the emotion because I, it is a, it's a NIMBY thing, right? Not my backyard. I mm. mean, that, that's you know, that's loud and clear, and, and very, very understandable, you know, as well. Um, but I think the criteria that we have to evaluate um, would point in that direction, you know, of support. So. Well, if, if you guys are ready, I'm ready. I, was, I heard some silence. So. I'll motion to approve conditional use permit number 64. And I'll second. We have a, uh, a motion and a second. Mr. Marshall, will you call roll, please? All right. Bain? Yes. Kohlinger? Yes. Mayville? Yes. McLaughlin? Yes. Rogers? Yes. Kobel? Yes. And Hine? Yes. That motion is approved 7-0. Okay. Does this go to uh, City Council? Or is this... Uh, yes, it, it does. does. Yes, it goes to City Council. Yep, so it'll go on to City Council, and they'll schedule the public hearing um, at, the, uh, at their next meeting, and then it'll be um, on to their agenda at the later part of uh, June, June 24th. Now, Grant... will be a public hearing at that time, and re-notification will take uh, place ahead of that public hearing. We're required... You know, it's pretty clear. I, you know, I reread the regulations. We're required, you know, to consider certain set of criteria. Are mm -hmm. uh, when the city council makes their deliberations, are they bound to the same set of criteria, or can they consider <coughs> other considerations? Nope, they are uh, bound by the same criteria. So, what's established in the discretionary and the non-discretionary yeah. standards for conditional use is all via the city zoning ordinance. And so, um, tonight, the the criteria that was being reviewed was. Um, the non-discretionary, which is the, um, the site plan criteria, um, by and large, which is the parking and the screening mm -hmm. and that type of thing. Um, and then you have the discretionary standards, which are the detrimental effects, impacts of traffic, and that list that was mm -hmm. presented by um, Nicole. Mm -hmm. So it'll be both of those that city council will weigh um, in their decision um, at the end of June. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, item number six, old business, we have none. That's correct. Number seven is public comments unrelated to items on the agenda. Seeing none. New business. Also none. Also none. Communications. We do have some communications, some reading for us, both uh, z z planning and zoning news as well as Michigan Planner. Mm -hmm. uh, I have no report. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I do have a couple of things. Um, one, at the last city council meeting last Monday night, there was the final approval of Waldo Farms site condominium. Um, you may have read the recent Daily News article highlighting that um, proposal um, out on Waldo Avenue, just a little bit north of Diamond Drive. Um, so that did receive city council approval. Um, this next coming Monday, we will have three items that will be on the agenda uh, that will likely be discussed. The first two will be discussed. The, the third one may not. Um, still yet to be seen if it will remain on consent agenda. But the first one is the RB2 
rezoning district, mm -hmm. um, which is the mm -hmm. missing middle housing zoning district. Uh, second one is the rezoning of the Osmond Rentals property, the conditional rezoning um, that was dealt with, um, I believe, at the two meetings ago um, by this body. And then the last one is uh, Delta College's site plan uh, for their facility downtown. Okay. Well, not wasting any time. <laughs> Correct. It does move on quickly. Yes. And, um, and then the last thing I do have, and um, we just wanted to give you a heads up, we'll be sending out an email tomorrow with a, a doodle poll um, looking at to schedule a, a special meeting to be a joint meeting with the Downtown Development Authority Board. Um, this is, we're hoping to accomplish in the third or fourth week of June, starting at about 6.30 p.m., um, we would like to do just kind of a work session style meeting with the DDA with the focus being on the Indian and Buttles corridor uh, just right outside of City Hall here, the one that Buttles is having the road diet trial or the mm -hmm. traffic calming measures that are taking place right now. So uh, the thought is to um, have spend a little bit of time having a discussion about the corridor, kind of setting a bit of a, a foundation to kind of where we're at with the trial and what's led up to, um, to the trial and where mm -hmm. we're at currently, and then ultimately go out on a walking tour um, whether um, permitting, um, but I'd be able to go out into the corridor itself, cross the streets at a couple of different locations, but really just try and think about um, the difference between the two lanes as well as the three lanes that are currently on Indian and really just think about the experience that pedestrians have through that space, ultimately coming back to the chamber and then having more of a broad discussion about what the vision for this corridor could be um, in light of uh, the planning objectives for downtown. So all of that being said, tomorrow, uh, look for a, a doodle poll. And if you could fill that out for us, letting us know your availability for that meeting, um, we'll try and get that on the calendar. OK. All right, and we have two items for the next meeting's agenda, May 23rd. That's correct. The first one you may recognize, uh, the location. Um, we had dealt with a site plan review for Brubaker Plumbing and Heating. Um, at the time, they were wanting to do a large part of um, um, showroom space as well as offices and then a bit of warehousing. They've actually modified their plans and are looking at just doing warehousing. So um, warehousing in the Regional Commercial Zoning District is a conditional use and so they have to come back through conditional use approval wow, to do okay, the, the, the modification there. And then the second one um, is also um, a conditional use which is for um, outdoor seating um, at Grove Tea Lounge which is the new tea lounge over at Abbott and East Lawn. Okay in a neighborhood commercial zoning district, which is what triggers the need for the conditional use. And I'll grant there, at one point, there was supposed to be scheduled some warehouse, and I mean, storage facilities or whatever on Washington and some other retail space or something. That's that correct. We did or? have that as an upcoming agenda item, I believe, at the last meeting. Um, and so we've, uh, usually in our process, they'll come forward, they'll submit a site plan to us. We'll go through a series of staff review comments okay. and send those comments back. Um, in this particular case, um, they've been out of town, and the applicant hasn't been able okay. to make those um, necessary those uh, modifications. So we're simply just waiting for them to give us the green light to then bring it on the so agenda. So it'll come on the agenda. That's correct. My understanding is the project's okay. still out there and they're uh, working on it. We just are waiting for them to get us the revised plans. Okay. All right. Yeah. With that. I move we adjourn. All those. <laughs> I need a second. There we go. Second. All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 Meeting adjourned.
This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland.